Chapter 1 Oral Traditions and Oral Inventions As I have talked about memory with people over the past couple of years, I have come to realize that not everyone means the same thing by it. Some people are confused by the very idea that we today have a memory of Jesus or Abraham Lincoln or Christopher Columbus. None of us ever met these men. How can we have a memory of them? This will be a crucial question to address when considering how Jesus was remembered in the years and decades between his death and the first accounts of his life. To deal with the issue, we first have to explore a bit what scholars mean when they are discussing memory, both personal, individual memories that all of us have, and that all thinking people have had, including the earliest followers of Jesus, and collective memories that are held by the various social groups we and others belong to. Psychologists have long recognized that there are different kinds of personal memories we have as individuals. Remembering how to ride a bike is not the same thing as remembering what the capital of France is, and neither is like remembering what you had for dinner last night. Remembering how to do things with your body, how to breathe deeply, how to swim, how to hit a backhand, is sometimes referred to as procedural memory. This is obviously an extremely important form of memory, but since it is of no relevance to my interests in this book, I won't be going into it here. There are, however, two other kinds of memory that are directly relevant, which need to be differentiated from one another. In 1972, an experimental psychologist named Angel Turving published a groundbreaking article that argued for a distinction between what he called episodic memory and semantic memory. Episodic memory is what most of us think about when we talk about remembering something from our pasts. This is the kind of memory that involves recalling things that happened to you personally, what you did on your first date, the most recent argument you had with a family member, where you went on vacation last year. There are obviously right and wrong answers to these questions, although much of the time there's no way to check to see if your memories about them are correct. You may have a perfectly clear and vivid memory of where you were when you heard about the attacks in the World Trade Center on September 11, 2001. But in many cases, psychologists have demonstrated, clear memories about such things are flat-out wrong. Psychologists draw some fine distinctions between different kinds of episodic memories, but as a whole, these are recollections of episodes from your own life. Semantic memory, on the other hand, involves factual information about the world, quite apart from whether you have personally experienced it. We can know that the Nile is the largest river in Egypt without ever having taken a boat trip on it, or that Duke won the NCAA basketball championship in 2015 without having seen the game. Most of our knowledge about the world involves information that we are not personally involved with, from mathematical equations, what is the square root of 81, to geology, what is a tectonic plate, to history, who was Charlemagne, to, well, to most of the knowledge we learned either in school or outside of it, it should be clear that episodic and semantic memories are closely intertwined in many ways. The reason you know the square root of 81, a piece of semantic knowledge, is because at some point in your past you were taught it by a teacher or a book and were drilled on it and tested on it. That is, it involves episodes from your life. But you almost certainly don't have an episodic memory of when and how any of that happened. You simply have a semantic memory of the fact— 
On the other hand, you can't really perceive the world you live in and store recollections of these perceptions without semantic knowledge that you remember. What is a number? What is a teacher? What is a test? So the two kinds of memory are closely connected with one another, but also quite different. One of the striking features of both episodic and semantic memory is that sometimes they are very accurate and other times not. We remember most things reasonably well. But the discomforting reality is that we misremember things all the time. A false or distorted memory, in the way I will be using these terms in this book, involves a memory that is wrong. Sometimes we misremember things about our own past, as we painfully realize from time to time, more often the older we get. And sometimes we misremember factual information. If you seem to remember that Barcelona is the capital of Spain, that is a false recollection. Some people would just call it a mistake, which, of course, is absolutely right. But in another sense, it is something you are misremembering.